Good morning, everyone. It is great to have you at Renew Bible, whether you're visiting with us over the holidays, whether you're here all the time, or whether you're joining us online. We're excited because we're really in the middle now of our Christmas series. And uh, I want to warn you, it is uh, 15 days till Christmas. I don't know if you're ready for that or not, but uh, 15 days. How many of you had an advent calendar growing up or something like that where you counted down the days and, and opened up little drawers and things like that? We've been playing off that theme during our Christmas series. But you know what? On a spiritual level, we're taught actually to number our days. In fact, it's Psalm 90:12. It says this, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we might offer back to you, what? A heart of wisdom. When we number our days, we're actually fulfilling scripture and saying, Lord, I want to take advantage of each day I have for you. Meet someone who is not so sure of their future maybe even facing a difficult time or a pressing situation where they're not sure how much time they have left, they can teach you how to number days. And that's kind of been the heartbeat behind our series. And specifically, we've grabbed an advent calendar, you know, because we're calling it the one another calendar, if you will. And so we got 30 up there. That's why we count about 30 one another's that aren't necessarily repeated. There's over 59 one another's in scripture where the phrase whether you're new to church or, or whether you've been here a long time, in scripture, the phrase one another is referring specifically to brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Those who have called upon the name of the Lord and the one another's are written in command formed in imperatives to tell us, hey, this is what we're being asked to do as a church. Imagine we all come from different backgrounds. We come here from different places. Some of you moved into the air, whatever. Imagine if the church behaved actually like the one another's. What a special place it would be. And that's what we're challenging ourselves this month, taking these 30 boxes and we've been opening them up. So, so last week we opened up, consider one another. Think about someone first when you get together as a church. Stir up one another. Look for ideas and think of ways to get people excited about doing good things. Encourage one another. Be at the same mind with one another. Don't come in with a disagreement, but agree on who we're here to worship and to praise. And then, uh, don't. Don't devour one another. Now, what's the phrase there? Because some of you are thinking, wait a minute, we were eating each other? No, no, don't devour one another. Don't complain and, and argue with one another. And then, wait for one another. What was that specifically? What was the wait for one another? Well, the wait for one another was when they were specifically gathering to eat. And that was the church in Corinth. They were to come together to have the Lord's Supper. But when they would come together, they were being selfish. They were rushing ahead of one another. They weren't paying attention to each other. They were being arrogant with one another. They were thinking only about themselves. And the apostle Paul who wrote much of your New Testament. I was a youth pastor for over 10 years. I would tell the teens, wherever you see Ian's, okay, that's Paul. First Corinthians, Thessalonians, Philippians, you got Paul, okay? And he's writing to the various churches that he started. And he's encouraging them how to live and how to behave with one another. For he knew People outside the church, if they saw the church behaving the way they've been called to behave, would be curious to know what it is that they have that others don't. 
And so when they would gather together, acting selfishly was not God's command. He wanted them to be together. Now, this week, we're taking another step. This week, we're gonna open up a few boxes. In fact, I hope to try to knock out an entire row today, okay? So, so first, we wanna open up box seven. So what's behind box seven? Worship one another. All right, let's look at the worship one another. Here it is, here it is. Let's open this up. Okay, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I call it the worship one another because Paul is literally encouraging the church. You see Ephesians, so what church? Ephesus, okay? So the church in Ephesus or the letter to Ephesians said, hey, I want you to speak to one another in psalms and hymns. And so we get sometimes these translations where like speak to one another. What does that sound like? Okay, does it sound like this? Like um, um, you're my dad and I'm singing and you're my dad and I love you, right? Is that what we're talking about here? Some of you know what I'm talking about there. What, what's going on here? We're supposed to walk in here and sing to one another? No, the idea is when you come together, Sing with one another. He's telling the church in Ephesians, sing psalms. And the psalms were the Old Testament psalms, and they would sing those out. It would obviously sound very different than today. Sing hymns. What's a hymn? Well, this was written over a thousand years before any hymnal you might be thinking about, so it's more than that. What is a hymn? Well, a hymn was any eulogy to a God or to a person okay, in the Greek culture. And so Jews reading that saying, sing a hymn, they would sing a eulogy or any song that's come together and we praise God for who he is. That, that's a hymn, okay? And, and then on top of that, spiritual songs. So, so what's, what's that? Any song that's written about testimony of what God's done in their life, what was Paul saying? I want you to come together and use various ways to sing together. And, and isn't it a shame, so often preference has been picked over togetherness in this area. In fact, worshiping has been one of the ways that the enemy has tried to bring division into the church. For those who have fallen into the trap of even legalistic thinking that one preference is more sacred than another when God is calling us to not only sing, but bring some new songs, he says. Sing a new song to me. And instead, we select preference. I remember hearing a pastor say that one time he was leaving a service, just beautiful singing. We had a great Sunday, and the person came up to him and said, I didn't like that song at all you sung, that second one. And he said, well, that's okay. We weren't singing to you. <laughs> we can sometimes even make worship selfish and literally be angry or upset that it's not what we prefer when we're coming together. And people have even weaponized preference to use it as a self-righteous thing, to say one way is better than another. When if you go to another country right now, you would find worship looks a lot different than what you even see here. Paul says, I want you to come together and sing together. How often, if you're not a churchgoer, do you sing with other people? Maybe never. And listen, I am something in my car. Aren't you? But 
You get to come together and sing with other people. And do you know, Renew Bible is getting so known for your guys' singing that our online crowd is saying, they're remarking about how they hear your voices bellowing out. That King of Kings, that was unbelievable. You know, that's a modern hymn. It's a hymn of praise written here in this time period where we're singing it out to God in such beautiful sound of harmony and praise to the Lord. Worship with one another. It's a great thing to do. Oh, and it's a weapon against the devil. He wants to discourage you and defeat you. If I was trying to scare you, if I was trying to scare you, and I'm going, ah, and scare you, and, I, and you're going, um, jiggity jiggy who Dominic the donkey, you know, and you're singing. I'd be like, hey, don't be singing. I'm trying to scare you, right? The first Noel. It's almost like, how can you be singing when I'm trying to scare you? Worship is a weapon against anxiety. That's why you will find music, even stringed music at times, soothes the soul. Oh, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Make melody to who? To the Lord in your heart. Worship with one another. But I opened a second box. There's a second box here. And it is um, number eight. Open that one up, please. Open it up. I need to get like a van of white, you know, like walk by and ding, right? And hit the things. And some of you thinking that? Okay. So, so what is harmony with one another? That's going to be our verse for today. We're going to look at harmony. So live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. There's no one here who's wise in their own sight, right? There's nobody like that. You know somebody who's wise in their own sight? And if you're sitting there going, I don't really know anybody, it's probably you. Don't be wise in your own sight, and don't be haughty. Associate with even those the world considers the lowly. But church, live in harmony with one another. Now, I'm not a musician. I was raised by one, but I'm not a musician myself. And so I called him. I said, Dad, talk to me a little bit about harmony. He said, well, here's the interesting thing about harmony. There have to be differences in order for there to be harmony. So the differences actually create the ability for harmony. And there can't be harmony if there's not first a melody. And so as we make melody in our hearts, harmony also, not just musically, but harmony in our lives with one another creates a beautiful sound. Have you ever heard an instrument out of tune? It's not a beautiful sound. In fact, it can be quite annoying. And so often... When the church is out of tune on certain things, it seems obnoxious, annoying, self-righteous, judgmental. But when it comes together and loves one another and lives out the one another's of scripture, it makes some of the most beautiful sounds you could ever hear. But in order to sing harmony, you have to submit to the role you've been given. In fact, you know this, many of you know this, in vocalists and in different groups and ensembles, there are people that have to sacrifice even what they are capable of doing in order to fulfill their part in the song. I thought, wouldn't it be great to have a group come out and kind of demonstrate singing in harmony with one another? 
And, and what do you know? We have a group. So come on out, ensemble. Come on out here. This is so neat. We got our eight-person ensemble here coming out here, and we're going we're gonna to show this and kind of demonstrate this all together. I've got my brothers and sisters in Christ here, and um, they've been singing, and, and I call them the world-famous Renew uh, Bible Ensemble. Um, they just sang at Grandview this past week. They sing in a couple of different functions, and they do such a wonderful job and, and such beauty. But um, we have them out here today, and I'm going to ask them a few questions about what we're about to hear, okay? So Donnelly, I know you're the voice coach of this squad, and you put this all together, okay? And, and you're one of our, our teachers in this. Um, this song here, are we going to hear multiple parts? Yes. Most How many? Sometimes four, sometimes five. Four, sometimes five. Are you particularly worried about any of them? Has somebody not been, has they been struggling? What do you think? Like, Ben, how's Greg been doing? Is he doing okay? Pretty amazing. He's pretty amazing. Uh, are, are you worried about any part of this song? Oh, pretty much the whole thing. You're worried the whole song? <laughs> He's worried about the whole song. So, so, okay. All right. To be fair, because I know Greg can sing. He's being humble. What's the heart, uh, how, what's the hardest part of this song? Which part? We'll listen. The whole song. Whole song's hard. Yes. Why, why is this song so hard? Well, when we get our first note, we start singing, but there is no other music. It's just us and percussion. Just one note? Mm -hmm. Who's going to play that note? Miss Judy. Judy, you only play one note, and then you just sit there. <laughs> Don't mess up, Judy. You have one job. <laughs> one job, Judy. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll do great, but if she don't play that note, that's the note we're going to start on that. Yeah. Is there anything we should be watching for? Make us an educated audience. Is there going to be anything like certain parts of the song where things change? Or You'll hear key changes. You'll okay. hear us, sometimes the ladies sing, sometimes the men sing, sometimes we'll all sing. Oh, so we're going to go back and forth here a little bit? Mm -hmm. Kane, are you worried about this at all? You, you, okay, you're good. You're right. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, so um, what are we singing? Tiny Little Town. Tiny little town, I'm going to assume since I was here in the first service, of Bethlehem. Um, tiny little town of Bethlehem. This is what we count like a spiritual song just talking about our Savior coming. You're going to sing it a cappella. We're going to hear lots of different parts. Everybody has a role. Mm -hmm. We're a little worried about Greg or Ben leaving their role. But if they stay in their role, what's the most difficult part for everybody? Is it to be in their role or to keep it in tune? What is it exactly? Yes. Yes. All right, all right, it's yes. It's a really hard song. It's really hard to stay in tune. It's really hard to stay in your part, but you guys are gonna do a great job and we'll be watching to see if they mess up. No, we won't, we won't. We're gonna encourage them and think of any way to encourage them as they sing this and I'm gonna come down here. Can I get that seat? Can I get that seat? All right, I'm gonna come down here. We're gonna watch this. All right, guys, you're on. Judy, don't mess up. All right, here we go. Spoken long ago echoes down through history that God would send his only son to set his children
by Judy. Killer job. Great job, guys. Guys, that was awesome. It was so beautiful. Thank you for showing us when we all play a role that we're asked to do, how harmony can sound so lovely. Amen. Give them one more hand as they go, guys. Give them one more hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we continue our series, may you be given all the glory and all the praise in this place. I pray you remove the room of distraction so that we might focus on what you have for us. I pray you'd humble our hearts that we'd be receptive to the word of God. And I pray that you would encourage and inspire those who have gathered here today because they made it a priority to hear the teaching of the word of God. So may I get out of the way so that we might hear from you as we look into these wonderful one another's. Oh, they might seem simple and ordinary, but when they're done together, they're absolutely extraordinary. We'll give you the praise, Jesus, and all Renew Bible said. It's getting cold, I'm driving home on Interstate 30. There's something sacred about the time of year when you were born. The 
streets alive, it's Christmas again. The moments like these, hope I don't forget. God, you're so good to me. They were great, weren't they? Man, love it. Love it. The Apostle Paul writes the church in Philippi. And he says, if you gain any encouragement from being part of the one another's, you've accepted Jesus as your personal savior. And you know what it's like to be in a church that loves you and cares about you, comforts you in time of need, reaches out. If you get any comfort from that, any encouragement from that, anything at all, he says, make my joy complete by having the same mind. The idea is coming together. The greatest gratitude you can offer God this Christmas season is if he's given you anything from knowing what it's like to be in a loving family here in a church. Give back to him by fulfilling the one another's in scripture. They're written in imperative form. So in other words, God's not asking. He's saying, when you do this, you will find beauty that you cannot imagine. Our, our world sometimes says, do whatever you want. Do it your way. Go your way. That's fine until you're at a traffic light, isn't it? We need guidelines. We need these things to come into form. And you saw if everybody did what they wanted to do, you'd have a mess up here. But when understanding how this all comes together, especially when we put aside our preference, our, our things, and we come together in love, wow, what a beauty it can come from that. So here's what I wanted to do today. I wanted to look at the harmony one another specifically. We're gonna grab that text. It's found in Romans. And I'm gonna call this the eight notes of a thanksgiver, if you will. The eight notes. Now, there's an eight-note scale, right? We get an octave from that, right? And so we're going to climb the scale, if you do will, today. We'll call it a Christmas scale. And as we climb the scale, we're going to hear some of Paul's writings to the church in Rome. If you're catching with this, a lot of different letters he wrote, but he wrote to the church in Rome. We have the book of Romans, and he wants them to stay in tune, if you will, and be in harmony with one another on a few subjects. I'm going to select specifically eight today. And just in case you think this is an exercise in simplicity, in just the first five verses, there is nowhere else in this sacred text that has a list of ethical injunctions as great as this one. There's nowhere else in scripture you're gonna find 13 plus exhortations or do this, do this, do this. 10 plus particles that, participles, excuse me, that have imperatives alongside them. It's as if Paul is going, all right, listen up. If, you have a, if you're a parent of older children especially, you know this because you text them, right? 
It's as if you go, all right, enough messing around. Hey, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. I'll see you tonight. All right, wash the dishes, make sure your room's cleaned up. Don't let mom come in with the garage doors open. All this, whatever it is, whatever your family's things are, right? It's usually um, a list that comes bang, bang, bang. Maybe, maybe your, your kid's um, in sports or something. You're like, all right, all right, listen. All right, focus, stay ready, be prepared. Endure when it gets hard. And you're just pushing off all these like, come on, you got this, you got this. This is the idea here. The idea here is Paul saying, all right, church, come on, ready? Here comes the list. And he's gonna come at it quickly. And so my goal is for us to learn a lesson in the macro versus the micro. Sometimes the micro is incredible and it's interesting to look at things very closely, but sometimes you learn more by looking at the overview. Eight notes, wow, they're gonna describe Thanksgiver and how all this harmonizes together. Here's the first one, first note. Let love be genuine. Hold fast to what is good. Abhor what's evil. Let's do it again. Let love be genuine. Hold fast to what is good. Abhor what's evil. Now in its context, it literally means love without hypocrisy, church. No fake love. No, (laughs) I acted like I love him. You see, there's a difference between niceness and kindness, isn't there? I can be nice to somebody I don't like. It's hard to be kind to somebody you don't like because kindness is wishing well to the person and wanting good for them. Love one another without some hypocritical type of fakeness behind it. Hold fast. The idea is like glue. Hold fast to what is good. Abhor. It's rooted in a relationship word, so it's the idea of hold fast to anything good in the way you treat others and abhor anything that's evil in the way you treat others. Abhor it. If there's gossip or slander, stay away from it, abhor it. If there's a conversation that starts up and it's very negative towards someone, maybe, maybe when it comes to your family, maybe there's somebody in your family that everyone tends to speak very poorly of and it just is over and over. Scripture says abhor that. That is going to shock your family. That's going to shock your life. It's going to shock your church and you'll be out of tune. And anybody who knows how to tune anything, we got a guitar over here. I'm not going to mess with it per se because I'll be in real trouble. But when you tune this instrument, especially a stringed instrument, you turn the string. And so you have to pull it sometimes to get it to tune. And sometimes you have to loosen it. Where in your life are you a little out of tune in this particular note? And you might need to loosen or you might need to tighten something up. I want to ask you, church, to allow the Holy Spirit that lives with inside you to poke you on the one that you probably need to work on the most. If you've ever listened to a guitar played out of tune, it is very difficult to listen to. It can be extremely annoying. And that's what a church is like that is not genuinely loving one another, genuinely holding fast to what's good, and genuinely abhorring what's evil in relationships. Isn't it amazing within our own family how much grace will show our own children? How much we'll cover up for one another and not expose each other's weaknesses? Isn't it amazing how many second chances we'll often give? But when it comes to the body of Christ, 
one little thing makes them, I'm never serving with them again. I'm not gonna do that with again. This is a, it's a shame in the church today. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor Chris, can you believe that happened to me at church? I say, absolutely. Some of the cruelest things that have ever happened to me have happened at a church. That is not a shock to me. I can go anywhere, wherever there's people. There's things like that, but families love one another genuinely. And so they keep fighting for the relationship. Oh, can you imagine a church in tune in this area? Man, when you go there, they really love each other. It's not fake, you can tell. And I know some of them don't even like each other that much. But they truly desire to do good to one another. What an attractive environment. And the church has been told it's to be known for its love. So often we're known for what we're against and not what we're for. That leads us to the second note. And I got some blanks here because we got two one another's in one note here, if you will, or one verse. And so let's open some boxes. What's the first one? What's gonna be the top line? Let's open box number nine. Love one another. Love one another. So let love be genuine, hold fast to what's good, abhor what's evil, and love one another. I want you to see how many times the one another of love comes up in scripture. I think it's pretty important. Open the box. Wow. Love one another with brotherly affection, deeply because, or excuse me, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. This is my commandment, love one another. This is the message from the beginning. We should love one another. Let us love one another for love is from God and everyone that loves is born of God. Young people know that on social media there are trends, okay? They can see when things are trending on different social media platforms. This is trending in scripture, love one another. The body of Christ is called to do that. And sometimes it means you're going to be pulled. And sometimes it means you're going to have to loosen for the sake of the relationship. Love one another. The specific love here in Romans and our specific note is phileo love. See, love in English, right? It's pretty ordinary, but in Greek and some of the other languages, you can see that in Greek it has agape, Agape, you often will hear. Eros, okay, physical love. But then there's phileo, brotherly love. You're from the city of Philadelphia. You know how loving a fan base we are. Super loving, right? That's the joke, right? It's the joke of Philadelphia that the fan base is known for not being loving at all while they wear their brotherly love shirts. But they are loving to everyone who performs well. We're very loving, right? Uh, but, but, but this is the idea that we gotta love one another and, and, and be with one another as brothers even in those times of difficulty. You can see it's John who writes the most about love. In fact, that's why he's called the disciple of love often because he talks about it so much. I, I read a book in 1 John by uh, Fritz Rittenauer, and he did in the book a little love quotient to say, how loving a person are you? And I'm like, I'll take a little test, all right? I'm only gonna put up five of the test questions because I didn't wanna go much further because I was getting too convicted, all right? Here's one, here's one, ready? Um, when I meet new people, I tend to try and find things I like, not dislike about them. Now, now, if you're in social, or if you understand emojis, we got the black heart, right? We've got the blue heart or compassion, and we got the red heart, right? When you meet new people, are you like, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. Hey, how you doing? Let's see if I like them. <laughs> wow, wow. 
Everybody starts at negative with that kind of person sometimes. Most likely, they've been wounded and hurt, and so a lot of their guard is up, and it prevents them from loving. I can praise others and hear them being praised without putting in some objective criticism. Oh, man, that's awesome. Did you see what they did? Yeah, well, they're not that great. Boy, this is tough. Okay, okay. I like others for who they are, not for what they can do for me. Wow, how many relationships are born out of a desire to have a connection that benefits you? I overlook mistakes made by others instead of calling attention to them. I should call all the middle school up here, all the middle schoolers in the room and say, how is that working out for you? It feels like from sixth to eighth grade, all people do is call attention to your mistakes. I wish I could tell you kids it would end, but you're gonna have to find love and from a source that loves you despite your mistakes. Because it doesn't end into adulthood. People are constantly pointing those things out. I try to be tactful in an effort not to hurt or embarrass people with what I say about others. Wow, what's your love quotient? Love one another is one of the most repeated trending themes of all the one another's. And so let's scold the preacher here for a second. What's it doing on day 10? That should be number one. So we're gonna move it. We're gonna move it. It's a, it's a, we're gonna move it up there. Bang, we're gonna put it one, okay? And we're gonna make sure that love one another is at the top of our list. But there was a second part to our one another on that second note. Let's read. Open up number 10. Honor one another. Let's open the box. Let's see what's in this one. Honor one another. Okay. Outdo, Romans 12, 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. Honor means to praise or to point out or to bring or call attention to someone for something they've done. And the idea of um, just reward, verbal, whatever. The month of November, Thanksgiving month, right? Um, our staff, we gather once a month, our entire staff from all the different campuses, whether it be revivals or whatever, we get together and there's quite a few staff and uh, Pastor John, our executive pastor, he leads the whole, the whole meeting. We have different people speak from different departments. And then at the end, they always ask me, come up, do like a five, seven minute leadership dynamic for the staff that we can all be working on as a church. And so I had this idea, I thought, hey, it's Thanksgiving. I'm gonna go up there and I'm gonna show them um, my prayer journal. Some of you know I, I have a, a prayer journal that I'm pretty passionate about. And um, one of my roles, I always feel as a shepherd here, is to be praying for this church specifically. Um, praying for others, okay? In scripture, it's called interceding for someone, okay? Interceding is when you say, dear Heavenly Father, and you don't mention yourself once. You don't talk about your life. You pray for other people specifically. So I have a list of all our employees and when I pray through that list, it's not every day, but once a month when I pray through that list and I pray through their lives, different things come to my mind. But this Thanksgiving, I was gonna share with them a name or a word, excuse me, a word that I associate with their name. And so I went through and I went through the entire staff and they all saw it come. I went through the whole staff and I just encouraged them up. And I'll tell you what, at the end of that staff meeting, we were, we were laughing. Oh, you could bring it all together. It's amazing what encouragement does. They were, boy, I really walked out going, wow, yeah, that was good. I'm glad I did that. I honored them. And then this month, December came, and they fulfilled that verse. I'm sitting in the staff meeting. I had gotten there a little late, 
And Pastor John Hodnett's up there, and he starts sharing three verses that mean a lot to him when he thinks about Chris. And I'm looking at him like, what are you doing? No warning. So Chris, that's one of the verses that means a lot to me. Chris, that's, John Adams said to me later, I was watching you, and you're literally looking at John going, what are you doing? Why are you making this all about me? What are you doing? And he said, so Chris, come on up here. They called me up in front of the staff, sat me down, and each one of them gave a word for me. And I'm telling you, my allergies were getting the best of me that morning. It, it was unbelievable. I just, it just, whether it was a cat or a dog, I don't know what was up there. But, but my allergies got the best of me. But, but they outdid me. Can you imagine going to a church that was like, we get a little competitive about honoring one another? Hey, man, I just wanted to tell you thank you. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? I saw you thank me. I'll see you next week. What? What are you going to do? Oh, we're going to thank you, baby. Can you imagine being in a place that goes out of their way. I had a lady walk up to me. She said, Chris, um, God moved my job situation. And, and literally, her tears are starting to flow. And she said, she said, I'm in a place now. I was sitting at my desk. You know, you can believe this. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Try me. She goes, my boss, who, who is a believer, okay, who actually attends our church, she said he was on the way out of the office and he stopped. He said, hey, I just want to tell you, thank you for all you do. And he left. She said, I never felt so much value. I've never been stopped like that. She said, like, can you imagine the church not going out of their way to be sarcastic with one another, not going out of their way to point out each other's flaws, not going out of their way to be fake, but going out of their way to honor one another. And when it happens, oh, I see you. We'll be back. What? What are you going to do? I don't know, but I heard you like carrot cake. <laughs> this is the idea. Love one another. This is the idea, outdo one another in showing honor. And when these notes start playing, oh man, can you imagine a baseball team outdoing one another? Hey man, nice hit. Oh yeah? Good at bat. Oh yeah? Good at bat? Nice steal. Oh yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Nice cleats. Oh yeah, they are nice cleats, right? What comes of that is harmony because we live in a world where all you get is discouragement. Shouldn't the church be different? Shouldn't this be a place when we come together, we do that? Why doesn't it happen? Look at the third note. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Here's the idea. Literally, do not be lagging behind. Move quickly to serve. Don't be slothful in zeal. Child of God, you remember the first time you came to know Christ as your Savior? What happened? How did the fire get so cold? Is it possible because of life's circumstances? Is it because we live in a sin-cursed world where there's disease and defects and, and you've turned your anger from the frustration you're dealing with towards God? What happened that has lost that? But let me ask you this. Where have you grown a little lazy? And you're simply just a little out of tune. And you got to stretch a little bit. My oldest son came home from college last week. He's an athlete. He likes to work out. I'm, I'm not anymore, nor like to work out. But when your son says, Dad, are you coming? You come. And I was on that treadmill. And I realized how awful it is to be on them. <laughs> awful. 
Half the battle is getting there. I mean, that is half the battle. Just get there, okay? They say in leadership, it's called paint the wall principle. If you really want something done, paint one wall. You will finish the room. If you don't, you'll talk about it for the next 20 years. Half the deal is getting there. And then when you're there, you're trying to keep up a little bit. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. And I remember how difficult it was, but when you just do one thing and take one step, it gets easier. And then it gets a little bit easier. Can I ask you, where have you possibly gone lazy? Child of God, when's the last time you memorized a verse? God's word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If the answer is Sunday school, have you gotten a little lazy in scripture memorization? How about prayer? Don't let your pastors be the only one praying for the church on a Sunday morning. Get up and say, on the way in, we're going to be praying for other people. We're going to be praying who we can encourage. Who can we outdo in showing honor? When a church is thinking about others, it naturally, naturally becomes more selfless. Where are you possibly out of tune? An area of giving, an area of attendance, just in an area of gathering with other people who might desperately need to hear from you. Where could you possibly tighten up? Where maybe do you need to loosen? This next verse, rejoice in hope, our fourth note. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. What a verse. What a powerful verse. This verse is actually especially dear to me because this is the verse my daughter began her nonprofit Rejoice Bibles off of this verse. And in fact, she's on my prayer right now because she's flying back from Uganda. She dropped off Bibles to an orphanage in Uganda for little girls and boys to sign and, and, and have for their own. And she's flying back right now and it's 30 hours of travel. So I'm thinking about it. And I, normally she is off limits to talk about from the pulpit, but I'll take any prayer I can get as a father. And her mom would appreciate that too. But one of the reasons she loved that verse is because it encompasses anything you can have happen in life. Rejoice in the hope that's before you. Be patient in the tribulation you're going through. Is it possible that the very tribulation you're going through, God's just calling you to endurance. But on top of that, it will have you constantly pray. There is nothing like a difficulty that will bring us to our knees. But rejoice. It's for a season. And even if the season ends in the Lord calling you home, what a magnificent and awesome and incredible thing it is to long for heaven and to be in the place where you look at Jesus face to face and he calls you child of God by your name. There's old country church and just as I shared, that's my daughter's favorite verse. They were sharing their favorite verses in the chapel. And there weren't many people in the church. And so they were letting everybody share. And people were coming up with different verses of scripture. And one gentleman stood up and he said, my favorite verse is, it came to pass. It came to pass? The pastor said, it came to pass is your favorite? That's not even the full verse. That's a, that's a start of something, like in the days of. It came to pass. So they quizzed him a little bit more. What, why is this, it came to pass? And he said he had been dealing with chronic pain for most of his life. It's difficult to even get out of bed. 
but he rejoices in the hope that it didn't come to stay. That when it comes to God, things are seasonal, even if it means calling you home. And he knows one day, even if it's in glory, all this pain, all this hurt, all this sorrow will pass. He said, so my verse is, it came to pass. My buddy's verse in high school was, Jesus wept. He said, I got that memorized. <laughs> Fifth note. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. During the time of this writing in the Jewish culture, they desperately needed to show hospitality for there weren't hotels everywhere. And when people would travel into town, they needed places to stay. But we know this is a call of even a one another. Can I open up another box? Let's uh, open up box 11. Host one another. It's literally a one another. And, and, and we've opened this at Thanksgiving, but let's open it again. Open the box. Um, offer hospitality, Peter says, to one another. And we enjoyed this. Without grumbling, you can almost hear the audience. Offer hospitality one another. Oh, without grumbling. Okay, all right, okay, all right. It's hard to think about others. It's hard to be vulnerable and allow them into our spaces. But it's one of the ways we can really be an encouragement by offering one another hospitality. Church, I am blown away and I don't have ability to mention by name everyone in this church. I know we had so many people invite somebody over to Thanksgiving that they would not have invited over. We've been able to reach out and benefit so many people with our benevolent fund. I want to encourage this church of how I am rejoicing and how we are offering hospitality, even to those who desperately just need to know someone's there during the holiday season. And do it without grumbling. In fact, did you know that's another one another? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open up. Let's go with the boxes here. Box 12, please. Don't grumble. Don't, no, really, that's one? Yeah, don't grumble. Open it up. James 5, 9. James 5, open. Do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You might say, wait, if I don't offer hospitality, the judge is standing, no, 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 different context. What's going on is the people of that time period in James were going through difficulty and they were watching the world fall apart. You ever feel like you're watching the world fall apart around you? And every time they got together, all they did was grumble. They would get together in their small groups. They'd get together in their homes and just grumbled about the world. Have you ever done that? Nobody gets encouraged by that, do they? You ever notice the young people just end up leaving the room? Oh, here goes grandpa. Somebody asked him a politics question, right? Don't gather together just to grumble. Look, we need places where we can vent. We need places where we can get things off our chest. But church, when we come together, let's not make this a grumble session on the difficulties of life. For our focus needs to be on the things of God. And then, and then, the next note, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. The principle of non-retaliation is all throughout the New Testament. Not lived out very well by the church at times on social media. But we're called to bless those who even persecute. How can we do this without Jesus' help? How can we reign in harmony? I mean, what does it mean to bless them? To bless literally means to wish the best for them. 
when these notes start coming together, you start finding yourself in a place of harmony. The seventh note, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. There's a time when people are rejoicing and rejoice with them. There's a time when they're weeping. And the best thing you do, church, is cry with them. And then finally, live in harmony with one another. There it is. There's our verse. Do not be haughty, but associate even with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. How many people would tell you that living out some of these notes we just brought up is the stupidest idea they ever heard? But their life is full of division, full of anger, full of bitterness, full of broken relationships, full of hatred, and full of absolute frustration with the world. And they sit there in that seat and go, the things of God are stupid and for people who need a crutch. When actuality, when we tune our hearts to what scripture has for us, some of the most beautiful sounds are played. Ask the coach of any sports team whether harmony matters in the locker room. Ask any music teacher whether harmony matters. Ask anybody leading a group of people whether harmony matters. And they will argue 100%. So therefore, what note might we possibly be bringing into this place needs to be tuned a little bit. Is there some angst you're holding on to? Is there some frustration that causes you even on a Sunday morning to come in here and not rejoice in what we have here and what we're so encouraged by? It's quite a list we're compiling, but there's nothing like having some directions on what to do. Have you ever worked for somebody who's disappointed with you, but they never gave out their expectations? Not very enjoyable. Scripture gives out the expectations to the church and says, hey, love one another. Consider one another first. When you come together, stir one another up. When you see each other, encourage one another. Hey, seek to have the same mind specifically about Jesus Christ. Don't devour one another and gossip about each other. Hey, wait for one another so you're all together. Don't rush ahead. Worship together. When your voices are together, it's beautiful. Harmony with one another. Seek to have unity. Honor one another. In fact, outdo one another. Host one another. And don't grumble against one another. And in doing so, you literally play the scale that makes joy. Have you ever heard the acronym joy, Jesus, others, you? When Jesus is first, others are second, and you're last, you begin to see harmony play out in your life. For your focus of the day is not whether you liked it, not whether you wanted to do it, not whether you got something out of it. The focus is on the day of how did it impact others. And that is the Christmas scale, if you will. I love this video. Would you watch it with me? My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. 
She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. she was talking about. Some of you are going to go home and play the scale backwards and add the pauses and get joy to the world. You know, at the end of each one of our one another's, one of our goals is to sing together. And so, short, sweet ending here, I've asked Darla to come on out here. Darla, bring a couple with you if you're coming. Hopefully she comes. There she is, good. Now, Darla's passionate about us having multiple parts and harmony on the stage. So every Sunday when you see all these singers, that is part of Darla's vision for there always being multiple parts. And you ensure every Sunday we have at least three parts every Sunday. And it's one of the things that makes Renew Bible unique. That is not something you see everywhere. And um, it's one of our unique things. But Darla, you need to make us all good singers here. So, so we're going to sing Joy to the World. All right, we got Spencer here. We brought Mike here too. Okay, we're gonna sing Joy of the World and um, I need you to make them sing in harmony somehow. Or can you do this? You see, she said she could do this. Here we go. Okay, we're gonna split the room up into three. No, this is a one another series. We can't split. Oh, okay, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Three. Split one right another. down the middle. Spencer will take this side. I'll take this side. And Michael will take the stadium seating. All right, and now what's gonna happen? What's going to happen? What can they anticipate? Three different pitches. Spencer's going to start out. You're going to match his pitch and hold it. Then I'll do it a different pitch. Oh, that's easy to match Spencer. I got to do that. (laughs) Now now, now he's going to sing Joy, and we're going to match his. All right, go ahead. Here we go. Start you. Do your group. Here we go. Here we go. Joy. Hey, actually, pretty good. That was really good. You know what? 
Can second service sing better than first service? Is this what, or they're more awake? Okay, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got, Darla? Where are you at? Joy, joy. Woo. Joy. Bass up in the devout. They're sitting down. They got comfy seats. They're far away, G- too. Give them, a, give them a little bit, one more time. Give them another chance. Joy. All right, Darla, do, what are you going to do? Here we go. All together now. Remember one, it. Two, three. Joy. Wow. Joy to the world, Spencer. Let's all do it. Stand with us. Let's sing it. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Father, Lord, we know how much you love when your church is together. And Lord, in a room this size, there's people who may have a lot of division in their life. But I pray this Christmas, they would consider thinking about what it would be like to have a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus. There are so many churches, and I'm sure ours at times, that have been a poor reflection of who Jesus is. But Lord, you didn't come for religion. You came to have a relationship with us. And so please, Lord, let no one gathered here today define Jesus by the way somebody may have treated them poorly at a church. And Lord, if it be your will, protect Renew Bible to be a place of unity where people can see that when the people of God love one another and seek to fulfill the one another's, however imperfect they are, they can find something that no other place offers, harmony. And so, Lord, we thank you for that this morning. And I pray if there's anyone here today who does not feel the joy of the Lord, that they would remember that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And upon that salvation, you will be placed into the body of Christ and be a one another. And if we're that, Lord, may we go out of our way May we value each day in the way we treat one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.